today I want to talk about so effective faith. How do we use faith? How does faith become something that we can use in our everyday lives? So turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 1 verse 17. Romans 1 verse 17 is a very important verse that I would like for each of you to memorize. In fact, there are a couple of verses in today's message that you would do well to actually just store in your memory bank. Um, And this one is from verse 17 that says the following, um, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed through it. What is it? It is the gospel that we receive by faith. And it is how we start our journey in the kingdom of God. And if we started it that way, we also continue in it that way. There should be no difference to how we received the first promise, the promise of salvation, to receiving all the other promises that are in the Bible. They all came by faith. You heard the word about Jesus Christ's offer of grace, and you took it to heart. And that taking to heart brought faith to you that the the commitment he makes, that you will be forgiven of your sin and welcomed into his presence, would be true for you. That is receiving a promise and letting heaven's reality become, heaven's truth become reality here on earth. And that is what God wants for each and every one of the promises in the Bible. (coughs) Excuse me, for us to receive them by faith. That if you hear a promise from scripture about any other thing, that you would take it to heart. Okay? So that we will live by our faith. Now, as I said last week, and it's even more important that you hear me today, because I'm going to show you something in a while that is sort of like looking like a progression, but it can't be exercised. It can't be used as a formula. It has to be understood. The heart of it has to be understood. Because as I said last week, faith is not a formula to try in an emergency. It is a lifelong pursuit of God's word. So many faith preachers have made faith just this formula that I need to apply. If you do this, 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 this guaranteed the outcome. Faith is a way more an art than it is a science, which means that it doesn't look the same in every circumstance, but there are touch points. There are things that we can know from this concept of faith that helps us to journey along the way with Jesus as he leads us to receiving his promises. So it's not a formula to try in an emergency. This comes from a walk with God, a journey with God, a lifelong pursuit of his word. You cannot say you're pursuing God if you're not pursuing his word. It just doesn't work that way. Unless your nose is in the pages, don't tell me you're pursuing God. No, you're, you're really walking in your own strength. What we spoke about last week is like, if we're truly saying we're dependent on God, our daily activity will show some form of need to consume God's word. The life that is contained in those verses will be necessary for us to feel like we have the ability to make this day in his way happen. If we go a day without reading the verse, in effect what we've said, practically what we've said, our intention might not be that, and our heart might not be that, but practically what we said was good, I can do this day without your word. And so we need to understand that 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 if that becomes pattern, then eventually it just becomes 
an afterthought. That we're saying, hey, we really okay without your word. And so my question is, if you're perpetually living without God's word, um, and you think you're doing okay, are you then really doing what God wants you to do? Because if we do what God wants us to do, if we live the life of faith God wants us to live, there will be a need, a desire for the life source that enables us to be able to do what he's asking us to do. So it's a pursuit of God's word, his agenda. See, faith puts Jesus on the throne of our hearts. Faith puts Jesus in the center of our existence. His agenda becomes our agenda. Um, his kingdom's agenda becomes our highest priority. And I know these things I say sometimes go in the one ear and they go out the other ear. But do you, have, you, have you processed that? Have you thought what that means for me? Maybe as a, as a retired person. What does it mean that the kingdom is centered to my existence? As a, as a, as a, as a, as a businessman, what does that mean for me? A parent. Uh, maybe a high school student, a college Student, what does that mean? How, does I, how do I do this season with the kingdom's agenda center to my existence? We have to ask ourselves that question. I want to say this. Most of our prayers don't get answered because they're not in alignment to his agenda. James 4, verse 2 and 3 says the following is, you ask, you do not have because you do not ask. (laughs) You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. And let me say this, the passions it refers to here are not simply sin. It's just priorities that are not God. Things that may be good things, but they've become idols in your life. I want to do good in my academics, so I'm not going to do Bible study. A good thing. But then you ask God to bless bless your exam. (laughs) Hold on. You want to do good in business. You want to provide for your family. But then that becomes an idol. And you start compromising on spending the day with his people. Starting your day off with him rather than with your emails. All of these little things becomes little things that just makes the slope become steeper and steeper and steeper. And before long, we're, we're sliding away from God's agenda. God is under no obligation to fund our agendas. He's under no obligation to fund our agendas. He does not call us into his kingdom and to become his children so that we can become Lord of him to tell him how he needs to fund us. How he needs to help us. So sometimes we just get the order wrong here and I believe that impacts our faith life. The foundation of faith is that Jesus is the center of my life. He's Lord. And my life is about his business, not the other way around. If your life is about his business, your business will work out. If you're expecting him to come alongside you in your business, you're actually expecting a miss. 
Because there's no promise in the word that says that, hey, he's here to serve you, serve us in our agendas. No, he's on a mission to seek and save the lost, to expand his kingdom on this earth and to bring about his final plan for the, to, for the salvation of this world. And how we align to it is how we align to his provision, how we align to his breakthroughs, how we align into the life that he has given us and wants to give us. If we're bought into his agenda and we're applying our faith, not for personal enrichment, but for kingdom expansion, we will start seeing the answers to prayer that we're so desperately wanting to see. Sometimes our faith has been so impacted by unanswered prayers, but we don't realize that it's actually our own fault that our prayers went unanswered. And so you have to ask yourself first before you're trusting God, before you wonder if this trust in God thing, you know, is worth it. You know, have I actually aligned with his agenda? That is like the first thought of it all. He has to be Lord of the, of the plan. But then there's also the reality that even sometimes when we are aligned with his, his agenda, we are bought into what he's trying to achieve in this world, and we're serving him faithfully, you know, in our time, our treasures, and our talents, and we're really doing our best to, 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 to make him Lord and seek his face in everything we do. And then we sometimes we still reach the end of our faith. We still come to that place. We're like, why didn't this work? Why is it not working yet? And the disciples had the very same dilemma. I mean, they left and forsook everything to follow Jesus. He sends them out on this mission trip into, you know, the surrounding areas. And they come back and, and there's this thing that they just couldn't break through in. How many of you have been in a place where you just, you just couldn't break through in it or you're just struggling? It's not happening yet. It's like you're trusting God. You're trusting God, but it seems like it's not working. You're at the end of your faith. It's not breaking through. The disciples came to Jesus with a man and his son. And the, man, the Bible says the man came up to Jesus and he said to him, Have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. <laughs> they could not heal him. Man, I, I get frustrated when I run into the end of my faith. I do. I do. It's like, God, I'm like, there's nothing in this that is for me. I am certain of soul search. This is, I'm doing this all for you. And sometimes it's not, it's not like, it's not just not there yet. It's not working. Why? What's happening? <laughs> Jesus answered like this is, oh, faithful and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you? I'm like, yes, Lord, I am faithless. I'm faithless and twisted. Lord, straighten me out. Straighten me out, Lord. Help me to see what I'm not seeing yet. Help me to grow where I need to grow still. I think that's the right answer. Rather than go be offended at Jesus calling us faithless, you know. Um, how long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. He came out of him. The boy was healed instantly. And the disciples privately asked Jesus, why could we not do that? Why could we not do that? Have you come to the place with Jesus? You're like, Lord, why? Can I do this? <laughs> yeah. 
Once you step out in faith, you'll realize soon that as humans, there is an end to our faith. Well, not an end, rather. More like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, mm, wait, how did I, how did I put it here? How did I put it there? A limit, a limit to my faith. It's not the end because it's there, but it's just limited. Jesus said to them, because of your little faith or your limited faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. (laughs) Nothing will be impossible for you. And another place, Luke writes about Jesus confronting his disciples about forgiving their brothers. and says, look, if your brother sins against you and comes and asks forgiveness, forgive him. If he repeatedly does that and repeatedly comes to you to ask forgiveness, forgive him. And the disciples go, <laughs> Lord, you have to increase our faith. We can't do that. <laughs> I'm reaching the limit of my faith here. <laughs> And Jesus said to them the same thing. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will, will obey you. How many of you know without faith it's impossible to please God? The Bible says God is looking and He's seeing, is there somebody out there with faith? Faith catches God's attention. Faith catches God's attention. Let me tell you, whether your faith brings the breakthrough in that moment or not, it catches God's attention. It pleases God when you step out. It pleases God when you risk based on His Word. It might not be fully there yet, but you are walking with a dad whose chest is proud about his son and daughter, who is taking him at his word, who is taking his words to heart. You know what I think sometimes our biggest problem is? Is we think we treat this not as God's word to us. We treat this as, as words about God. Not God's word. God's words. Let me say it like that. It makes even more sense. These are God's words to us. It's not words about God. It's Him speaking to us. He is saying these things to each and every one of us. That's why, the, that's why it's so ludicrous to think that the guy that's on stage here is the one that's supposed to do all this. Because this is spoken to each and every one of us. So you can take Him at His word and see miracles See salvations. See things happen. Are you taking him at his word? Taking his word to heart? So the disciples were like, increase our faith. And then Jesus says, you need faith like a mustard seed. Now, if your Bible says faith as small as a mustard seed, the the Greek actually doesn't use the word small. It uses the word like, okay, as. And so, and so I believe here that, that, that Jesus wasn't referring necessarily to the, the size of the mustard seed. Logically, that doesn't also make sense to me. But, but he was referring more, I believe, to the properties of the mustard seed. Okay? So I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to spend a little bit of time about that. Because we want to talk about effective faith. And effective faith is understanding that faith is like a mustard seed. 
It's not necessarily, you, you just need a small amount of faith. Because how many of you know sometimes it feels like, man, my faith is just limited. I need more faith, right? So I believe in this concept that, that, that they've always made me, helped me to continue to walk by faith. Because the Bible says that the righteous shall live by their faith, right? The righteous shall live by their faith. So that's important. That's important. It, it means that there is a continuation. There's a journey in this. It's not moments. There's something about this that is continue, continuing. So if you think about a seed, and if you think about the mustard seed, um, it goes through a pattern. The life cycle of a mustard seed goes through a pattern. There's a seed. Then the seed, through time and the right environment, becomes a seedling, right? And, and then you'll start seeing the development as we go. So here's, here's what I know about a seed. Is that the potential and the promise of the plant lies in the seed. And for you and me, we need to understand that the seed is a word. So Hebrews 11 verse 1 says the following, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? The substance, the seed, is a word. A word of God that you took to heart. So if you're trusting God for a healing, or you're trusting God for a breakthrough in something, a relationship or a person or a salvation or a, or a financial thing, you're trusting God for, you know, to, to get a promotion, whatever it is, the answer to that, to that problem or that thing that you, the breakthrough lies in a commitment from God to help you with that. Until you have a commitment from God to help you with that, you have nothing. Nothing that you can use now in your walk. Okay, so let me, let me, let me restate that. That's where the difference lies between hope and faith. You may have hope that one day God will do something about this. In the future that there might be a solution. But faith, like Hank said last week, is now. Faith is for me to do now. It helps me act now. What can I do in my present to walk this journey, this development of faith? You have to have a commitment from God. Now, as you spend time in this word, this word becomes alive. It is alive. But you realize it becomes alive. And so you'll be trusting God for a miracle. And then you see the lame, the leper person, to quote Hank last week. He came, Jesus, if you're willing. And then Jesus' answer is, I am willing. I am willing. And all of a sudden that grips your heart. You take that word and you hear God speak to you. I'm willing to heal you. I'm willing to heal you. What did you just receive? You received the seed. You received the mustard seed. 
that word that God said, I will help you through this, I will get you through this, is now in your hand. Now, did the breakthrough happen yet? Are you healed yet? Maybe not. But you have the seed that will turn into that breakthrough. And let me show you what happens. The faith is a word. The seed is a word. So the substance that Hebrew talks about is actually God's word. It's a revelation from God's word that he's going to help me with this. He's going to do this. Can you see now how important it is for us to be in this? Because this is where we get our commitments from. Like if somebody says to you, I'm going to come help you with your, Chuck had some, some trouble with some of his houses, like water pipes burst, etc. If somebody says to him, Chuck, I'm going to come help you. He gets a commitment from, from me to come and help him. He shows up at the site. What is Chuck looking for? Me. Because he had a commitment. Now the one who gives the commitments is faithful. Not is he just faithful, he's also able. And not is he only faithful and able, he's also willing. So I have that seed in my mind, in my heart. I'm like, he's willing to help me with this. He's going to help me with this. So I've received this revelation from his word. Hank said that the faith is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's re getting revealed God's will in my situation. When I know what God's will is in my situation, I can stand. No matter how hard it becomes around me, no matter how long it takes for this thing to, to resolve fully, the word is there. And because it's there, the Bible says it can become like a placeholder. It keeps the space open for the real thing to come and sit in. Like right now, this this table is occupied by these things. If I put something else on here, it's just going to roll off. That thing cannot stick there. Why? Because there's a placeholder. But when the, when, when the placeholder comes and the right thing comes around, the placeholder makes way for the reality. And it, and it, and it manifests. Faith is like a placeholder. It holds the space open so that when the true thing comes, the thing that's supposed to come, comes, it can find resting place in your reality. That's how the spiritual world becomes physical. That's how God's promises becomes breakthroughs and answers to prayer. Faith becomes a placeholder. So what do I need? I need faith and patience. Faith and patience. Hebrews 6 verse 11 says this. We desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. When you receive a commitment from God, you have to apply faith and patience because the journey ahead that's going to lead to your breakthrough is yet beginning. And sometimes this goes whew, all in one go. And sometimes it tarries. And we'll talk about that in a second. So when I hear the word, what do I start doing with the word? The word all of a sudden <clears throat> is given to me and now I have the right I have the right to start speaking about that word. 
When God said to you, he's going to help you with this, you have full authority to start saying to people, this is what God's, God's going to do in my, in my situation. This is what God is going to help me with. Why? Because the authority of heaven is now backing your confession. It's not me naming and claiming. No, it's me realizing what God had said about me. See, it's God-centered. It's Christ-centered. It's kingdom-centered. It's not me wanting what I want. It's me receiving what he wants for me. But now I have the right to say, this is what God is going to do. There's that holy conviction in my heart that I have received this commitment from him to help me in my situation. And so now I start saying it. I start saying it. I start speaking it. And Mark 11 shows us what happens when we start speaking to things. Mark 11, um, uh, they, 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 earlier this, the, the, the day with the disciples, they passed by a tree. Jesus looking for fruit on the tree. It's figs. Couldn't find anything. So he rebukes the tree. says, you'll never bear anything again. They walk on. The disciples think nothing of it. They go do a lot of stuff in the, in, in the city. They come out. As they come out back, they see this fig tree completely dried up and withered. And the disciples go like, isn't this the tree that Jesus just rebuked? Jesus, look at the tree you rebuked. It's like dead. And Jesus goes, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. But you have to see this scripture verse in light of the seed. The commitment. It's not just me saying what I want. That's where the whole name it and claim it thing went wrong. It's like it becomes, oh, I want, you know, five big house, five cars. No, that's not what it's about, guys. It's about seeing the kingdom of God manifest around us. It's about seeing his will come to earth in my life and in the lives of the people around us. When I line up with that commitment from him to help me in this situation that I have, that's hampering me from performing his will, he is sure to help me in that. He's going to come alongside me. Why? So that I can perform his will. It's all about him. But now I have that authority to say this is going to happen. Like y'all have heard me say sometimes that, you know, we're going to see Crowley transform this area grown. We're going to see businesses come into town. Like this guy must be nuts. No, I just have a revelation of something that God showed me. He's going to help us in this place, guys. He's going to help us start businesses. He's going to help us to expand our businesses. He's going to bring dreams to your hearts that's going to make you become all that he has created you to be. And when you do that, the kingdom of God will come into your life and through your life. So I say these things, <laughs> and then if I go and listen to myself after this, I go like, I hope you know what you're talking about, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> right now I'm seeing the limit of my faith. But every now and then I see a little breakthrough. And I'll talk about that in a second. There's little breakthroughs, all right? So it's a revelation of Jesus that becomes such a conviction in my heart. If I study his word, I see his commitment to me. I find myself with the authority, the audacity to start saying things about things that other people might still be in disagreement with. Like we started saying the city is going to grow before the political environment even wanted it to grow. What makes us able to see those things? It's because we have a higher authority that's speaking over this matter than the council of whatnots that decide things for here, right? 
And the crazy thing about that is, is that, <laughs> gosh, hear me out. Hear, hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> this is, ooh, I, I, I almost want to stop the recording for this one for a little bit. <laughs> hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Sometimes God will use unlikely people because they're aligned to His will. God is not under obligation to fund, to back, to perform our agenda. And if somebody that you don't approve comes around and says, hey, I will do God's agenda, guess who God, God's going to use? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything for their salvation, which, you know, I don't know. But it does mean that God backs his own agenda. And Bible says God gives grace to the humble. What is humility? Is it to be pious and religious? No, that mean, doesn't mean squat. Humility means I'm aligning with God. I'm not resisting him. And so you might be spirit-filled, baptized, like preaching on your own, praying in tongues, performing miracles, the minute you start doing your own desire, God just goes, step aside. Now you're on your own. And this guy that might be before his throne, Jesus, have mercy. I'm such a bad sinner. He says, all right, come. It's my time, your time to be used. Guys, God looks at things different than we, we do but the revelation of Jesus, of his will, what he backs, comes to us and makes us able to step out and do things that are sometimes ludicrous in the natural, right? So it's, we start stepping out. Now that faith becomes the seedling that, that needs cultivation. That needs cultivation. What does that mean? Well, basically effective faith is faith and patience, but it's also in, in, in addition to that faith and action, you have to step out and try. You have to step out and try. So when God gives you a word about something, part of you stepping out and saying, I believe this, is you starting to speak about it. You're starting to say things. And then the next one is that you see opportunities and you go, is this the one I should take or is that the one I should take? But if the, the opportunity come to start, you go, I'm going to take that. I'm going to try something that lines up with what I believe God is wanting to do here. It, it, it serves nobody to, to play it safe. You have to risk in this moment. You have to try. I wrote this incredible book about, about um, uh, chasing failure. And the premise of the book is that our infatuation with success have actually paralyzed us. To not even try things that doesn't look like it's going to be 100% success. But the guy goes and tells a story of how he, how he started chasing unlikely goals. And in the book, you're like, so is this going to turn out to be the Cinderella story where he just like ends up, you know, getting it? Or, and then in the end, it's like, no, he failed. <laughs> but in the process of him failing, so many other things opened up for him. 
And he realized that, yes, that may not have been the thing that I should have aimed at, but me not aiming for that would not have allowed me access to these other things that opened up in the meanwhile. Don't be afraid to chase failure. There's nothing gained through playing it safe all the time. Once you have a commitment from God, you have to step out in it because that cultivates that seedling that allows it to grow into maturity so that it become a fruitful plant that starts showing progress, that starts showing um, a move forward. It's a little bit, of, little bit of like, hey man, this is starting to make me feel good at least. I'm starting to feel a little bit of a burst of conviction and strength from this. I'm starting to enjoy what I feel. The fruit is now starting to become evident. I'm, I'm, I'm full of faith. I'm excited. I've taken an opportunity. And you know what? This opportunity, as much as it's maybe hard, I'm working at it. James 2.17 says, faith by itself does not have works, but it's dead. If you have faith, some will say, you have faith. I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I believe faith becomes visible somewhere. It becomes visible somewhere, showing your faith through action. Sometimes in this growth phase, this phase between the seedling and the fruitful plant, people give up. Why? Because they expected magic. And that's why I believe Jesus likened faith unto a seed, a mustard seed. Not the size, but the property. See, a seed to produce something needs to go through a process. And faith, by virtue of that analogy, is a process. It's not magic. It's a process. And in the process of me working at it, God is starting to build something back in me. How many of you have ever planted a fruit tree? And then for the first two years, it didn't bear a lot of fruit. Why? Because it's really not strong enough yet to carry that. And maybe if it gets such an abundance of fruit, all the limbs will crack and break off. In the process of me acting in faith and and stepping out with things, God is building the capacity to carry the fruit. God is preparing us for the harvest that is to come. I'm thinking about our church. I'm thinking about the, the the, the journey God has us on. How he's preparing us for a harvest. That if 400 people would show up at our door today, (laughs) it'll be fun for one day. Because no one will come back. (laughs) It'll just be like, oh, goodness. This place was unprepared. They didn't have enough coffee. They didn't have enough toilets. They didn't have enough nothing, (laughs) y'all. But God is building our capacity. And we're becoming a fruitful plant. And it's, it's beautiful to see the fruit here, right? At some point in this journey of faith, you start seeing fruit. Here's the problem, though. Sometimes we want to stop there. We want to park. We want to say, hey, this is good. I like what this is giving me. I'm enjoying the fruit so much that I forget the kingdom's purpose for giving me the commitment in the first place. You see, our provision is never 
the full realization of the answer. And there's a natural progression to faith that wants to connect with God's purposes. And if we disconnect at this point from God's purposes, so often what we had is lost. This fruit is meant to go beyond me, beyond what I'm asking for, so that the will of God will be accomplished through me. So there's often a season of testing that comes after a season of fruit. So often. You get a little breakthrough, it starts making sense, starts work going well, and then you find yourself in a place where all of a sudden you have to fight for what you gained. Like, Lord, I didn't know it was going to be all this difficult. James 1 says, count a joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete. Effective faith is not just faith and patience or faith in action. It's faith and endurance. It's faith and endurance. It's faith and endurance. Faith and endurance leads to the next one, I believe, of starting to see the seed. It leads to our breakthrough. It leads to the realization of our faith. It's not just our provision, but it's the solution. It's heaven coming to our world. And now I start seeing why God made that commitment to me. It was all along for more than just me. Let me tell you this, guys. When you have breakthroughs and things that you're trusting God for and you keep it just there, you're missing the point. Now, here's the problem with that. God is under no obligation to fund our agendas. So when he sees his answers to our prayer, only fund, only back, only accomplish our agendas, is that somebody that is trustworthy to give more to. And so when he spoke the talent of the, the, the parable of the talents, he came back and he found the ones who had gone beyond just their own breakthrough, receiving, and have went on and to work for his agenda, to accomplish his agenda. But the one who didn't, what, what he had was taken away from him. And so often I see people that just, they start well, but then they settle in that place of just, oh, this is just about me. This was just about my victory. And then it's like it starts tapering off. And we might not see the, the full loss in this life, but eventually they leave this world having accomplished very little about what God placed them here for. Yes, they may have been successful in earthly terms, but there was so much more that God wanted to use them for. God is not vindictive. And the Bible says every gift he gives, he gives without recall. And so you might find yourself right now coasting, just in a place of success. But I'm asking you, was this all that God called you for? Success? Maybe you're financially free. Maybe you got everything going for you. Retirement sorted. You're good to go for the rest of your life. But is that all that God called you for? 
I believe this is meant to go beyond. I believe the faith journey wants to take you beyond. Wants to take you to a place of not just breakthrough for yourself, but being a solution to others as well. You see, your victory needs to become a seed again that is given to another. Your victory needs to become the thing that gives the commitment from God to somebody else. Every seed that produces fruit, that produces when the fullness of it comes. And it's, and it's amazing how if you, if you take the mustard seed example, the mustard seed actually produces a little fruit. It's like a little berry. And you can eat that thing. But if you leave it, eventually the fruit dies, but the seed emerges. And then there is a multiplication of seed. Then there is this, the, the, that victory that you bring can encourage so many other people. Can help give so many other people that seed that they need to start their journey off with. Effective faith is not just patience, action, and endurance. It's also celebration. What happens after a harvest when we celebrate? We're sharing. We're sharing the spoils of the harvest. We're sharing. And I believe that's in all kind of ways that we share. We share through testimonies. We share through uh, being good. We share through giving opportunity to others. We share through encouraging uh, uh, words. We share through finances. We share what we have been given. Why? Because now it's no longer me just getting the promise. Now it's me spreading the promise. Let me show you something that I found when I considered the life of Jesus. He was the first seed, the first word. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made that has been made, and without him was nothing made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and it shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus the seed came, born as a seedling, a baby, became a fruitful minister of the gospel. And oh, did the disciples enjoy that fruit. They wanted to keep him, make him king, and get all the benefit from him that they could. But guess what? They had to see their fruit, their promise, their victory die. So that what? seed can be released so that you and I can be <laughs> born as sons into the kingdom. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But God did not just want one Son. God wanted a family of people. And so they had to let go of their fruit to see the seed, to see the multiplication. Let me tell you all, that is how faith journeys work. They start with the Word. They start with the Word. 
You get a promise from God about a situation in the principles of His Word. You cultivate that belief by declaring it, by acting on it, by having patience. Don't mistake your fruit for victory. Stay focused on God's agenda, not even your, not your own desires. Endure trials and testing, and even if it looks like it might not happen, be generous with the outcome so that others may benefit. Each breakthrough becomes the foundation for the next journey of faith, and each breakthrough adds to your life for the next thing that you're trusting God for. If you're asking God to increase your faith, it's going to start with a word. So what are you trusting God for breakthrough for? I want to ask you, where's your word? Where's your seed? What are you seeing in the Bible? What are you, what are, what are, what are, what are you drawing from here for your breakthrough? Because nothing's happening for you until you get the seed. Nothing will start the process of development until you get your seed. Go to the Bible and go find your seed. Ask God, Lord, how are you going to help me? How will you, how will you help me with this? And then he's going to go for some, well, that ain't on my agenda. What are you going to do? <laughs> That's a question. What are you going to do if you find that, oh my goodness, what I've been gunning for isn't God's agenda? You can do two things. You can go, oh well, I guess it's on me then. And then just walk in your own strength. Or you can go, Lord, I'm sorry. Show me your agenda and I will see my life fulfilled in fulfilling your agenda. Now you can act by faith. Now you can walk by faith. Because now God will show you the things that he's willing to back you in. Y'all ready to go try this? I'm not gonna do this for you. <laughs> you have to get in this. You have to go study this. Lord, show me. Show me how. Show me how. Give me a promise, Lord. Show me your word that you're with me. Maybe that requires you to first go and say, God, I repent of me wanting what I want. And I'll come and I'll start wanting what you want. Let's all stand together. Close your eyes and consider for yourself where you're at. Is your lifestyle about Jesus' kingdom? And don't let the debate of, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not a pastor or I'm not a, a missionary or, or those kind of things. Don't let that debate trick you, fool you. God did not come to save pastors. He came to save people. He came to involve people in his kingdom. Every part of life is His. There's no such thing as holy and secular. Everything in God's eyes is holy. It's His. It's meant for Him. It's supposed to serve Him. Where are you at in that? If you feel today that you need to make an acknowledgement before the Lord that you have not served His agenda, that you have been primarily about your agenda, and you want to Repent of that today. Why don't you go ahead and lift your hand.
Tell God, I'm sorry. Lord, I need to start serving your agenda. God, you see every hand raised, every heart. God, that fully wants to surrender to your Lordship. I pray, Lord, that you will meet them significantly in your word this week. God, and show them how if they seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that you'll take care of them, Lord, in every way in which they need to fulfill your call on their lives. God, help us all, help us all to just wake up from this illusion of life and realize how real your kingdom is. Realize how, how deeply embedded your kingdom wants to be in our lives. Lord, let us walk out of this room, not as one who has done our duty for the week, but one who has woken up to our duty. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come and change our hearts, Lord. Come and change our hearts, Lord. Lord, only you can bring that conviction in our hearts. I feel like, I feel like there's actually some people actually wrestling with this right now actually not sure whether they should put up their hand or not and wondering what the implications of that would be there's only one way to find out and that's to actually trust God trust in his goodness trust in his character and say yes to him still want to raise your hand, go ahead, raise it right now. That's you. You have not raised your hand yet. You feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but you're afraid. It's okay. Just, just do it afraid. Just do it afraid. He's, he's faithful and good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.